Hello, hello. You are listening to a pastor's newspaper, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It's good to be with you. And uh, a lot's happened in the month of October. And we're going to be talking about Israel and Gaza and the whole kind of Middle Eastern um, conflict that has arisen this month. Um, the U.S. Is, has definitely been dragged into it as well. They have put another carrier in the Mediterranean Sea. So we're going to talk kind of just what happened, um, the broader issue as, uh, from this event on October the 7th. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into a lot of speculation. Just extending out of that, you know, um, I do want to kind of just share some some biblical principles that I think we can take from this that um, and, and then kind of go from there. But um, just to kind of catch you up, um, it's been a little bit of time since um, I've recorded um, an episode of a pastor's newspaper, but um, uh, went to um, uh, East Tennessee for for fall break and got sick. Uh, my wife got sick as well. So we spent last week just really just coughing getting very little sleep. I am feeling better. I am sucking a cough drop right now and have drink, drink, and drank a lot of just kind of like throat teas, honey teas and all kinds of other things just to kind of help my, my throat. So if I do sound a little, a little odd, I've definitely gotten better. If you've listened to any podcast I did last week, I did a sports one and we did, we have some church, um, a quick class, uh, lectures that we put on podcasts. You could just tell that I was not feeling well. My voice was horrible, but, um, today it's actually quite, quite well. So, uh, hopefully that will stay the same. And, um, I will direct you. I think we'll have one recorded later on today or tomorrow. We're going to be doing, um, um, third Saturday in October podcast, me and uh, pastor Derek McFarland. So look for that. And we'll be dropping church and politics and Dr. Allman's attributes of God class of tomorrow as well. So a lot of activity, uh, next few days, uh, content for you to enjoy if, if it fits your fancy. Um, so let's kind of jump into the major issue of the last few weeks. Um, so let me take you back to October the 7th. Um, and, uh, a normal, normal day uh, started off as a normal day, um, and then led to to chaos as um, Hamas, which is the terrorist group that governs uh, the Gaza Strip, um, which is the part of the Palestinian um, um, nation just south of of Israel's land right there on the Mediterranean sea and, and kind of connecting to the Sinai peninsula in Egypt. Um, very small, about 300 plus, um, square kilometers of area, um, where, um, um, 2 million Palestinians live. And the, again, it's, it's basically governed by a terrorist group named um, Hamas. Now don't get confused, but the West bank is run by the Palestinian authority and the Palestinian authority really has no governing power over the Gaza strip. Um, Palestinian authority is quite weak in its power and influence. And so in, in 2000 and 
about I think it's like around 2007, um, Hamas began began to rule and to govern the Gaza Strip. Um, they are um, um, a, a, a constant annoyance and security threat to Israel. Um, and there is a wall and there is a, a separation, but um, Hamas shoots rockets into Israel and they had been doing this for forever. I mean, it's just constantly just shooting rockets here and there. Well, on October the 7th, they did more than just shoot about 2000 rockets into Israel, but also um, they bulldoze part of the wall and hundreds of Hamas fighters entered into Israel. Um, also, they they kind of in, invaded Israel's territory through paragliders and sh- from the sea, just kind of from three different I mean, land, air, and sea. Uh, about a thousand plus um, Hamas fighters, uh, fifteen hundred, um, and uh, maybe a little bit more. Uh, poured into Israel and they began to slaughter Israelis. Um, they actually even attacked a music festival that was, uh, you had people from, from other parts of Europe and America that were there as well. Um, but about 1300 people were killed on October the 7th of a, of a country that only has 10 million in population. That's a large they went one area that went to just, it went to a town and went really went door to door of people on the streets and just shot them and slaughtered them. Um, they also abducted, um, people. So they, um, took hostages as well. And about 150. And I think just recently some of them were freed. Um, and so this all happened on October the 7th. Uh, it's basically being called, uh, um, Israel's nine 11. And that's really kind of the the shock of it. There's similar, just uh, just mayhem and large uh, amount of of carnage. Uh, they have found women and children killed as well. Um, and so it wasn't just again. This is where this particular event is so devastating because this is really the most Israelis that have ever have died in this kind of constant. Israeli Palestinian, um, just kind of constant conflict. Um, but, um, never this many civilians, um, you know, there's been, um, there's been wars, um, in the early two thousands, you had the, the second in Fadia and, um, there's about, you know, 2000 Israelis that, that died, but most of those were soldiers. These were all civilians. These were all non military people, people living in their town, walking in their town, going to a music festival and being just, just killed and just, um, shot down in brutal ways. They've, they've found uh, bodies and in very just devastating ways as they've kind of just tried to discover and, and, and locate, there are still people that are unknown. So the, the thought is, is that they were probably taken hostage. Um, and there are, you know, even though we don't know of any Americans that were taken hostage, there are 17 that are still have are unaccounted for, but there are 22 recorded American deaths from this. So it's not just Israelis that died. There was Germans that died, French that died, British that died and Americans that passed passed away that were killed by this attack. Um, this led to 
uh, Israel responding. Um, and, um, so many Palestinians have also died in the kind of the aftermath of this, um, of this carnage. And so the whole thing is just, um, it's, it's really kind of difficult to, to comprehend. Um, I, I remember when I heard about it and just kind of is in complete outrage by, by what happened and just the kind of the continual reports that you hear, you know, especially when you hear about children being beheaded, um, and you're just trying, trying to get into the psyche of of the Hamas fighters, what would lead them to attack innocent people, innocent children, um, and kill them the way that they they did. It's just you just can't comprehend. Um, what would lead people to do uh, such a thing? Um, and so there's been, you know, as Israel has kind of counterattacked, they have um, had airstrikes in the Gaza Strait. They have uh, the, the Israeli defense um, uh, has told um, the population in Gaza that they need to leave Gaza, that they need to get out. They need to move to Egypt, but Egypt will not let them leave. So it's been a quite of a quite a mess, um, and the the death toll continues to rise. Um, actually, even to, uh, recently, there was a, a new a new death in, in by new Israelis have passed away because of drone attacks. So the thing the the, the um, this this conflict um, is just going to continue to broaden and broaden and broaden and more people are going to die. And, and I think one of the, the reaction that I had even just initially was, um, even as of, um, just to kind of give you this number, cause I don't have the, the new number, but I know that it's, you know, it's just continued to rise. But as of um, just after the event on the 7th, and this was on October the 14th in The Economist, that um, 1,200 Palestinian civilians had already died um, because of the counterattack by Israel and displaced more than 300,000. Um, and so, um, and that was like, and that was a, 10 days ago. Um, so that number has definitely risen on, on both sides. Death continues to happen in, in Israel and in Gaza. And, you know, my, my first reaction to this whole thing is, and I want to, I want to talk about just my reaction. I know others have been, um, and I, there's some other layers to the story that I'll just kind of mention, but not get into too many details, but I do. One of my bigger interests is just talking about the, the broader implications. But, um, you know, when I heard about it, my reaction was obviously super upset and sad for Israel. Um, and uh, just this, this unprovoked attack. Right. Um, and I think that's most Americans, especially, um, reaction to the events of October the 7th. And those are quite valid actually. Um, and anyone to say that there aren't are just completely out of their minds. The other reaction maybe is, is more of a minority uh, reaction, but I think 
when you think about it and you ponder it and meditate on it, it's, it's, it's something you should probably come to as well. Maybe with more knowledge of, of the situation, um, prior to October the 7th, you would understand this, that one of the other sad stories is, is that the people of Gaza, the Palestinians that live in Gaza, most of the 2 million so people that live there, um, are not Hamas fighters. The problem is, and this gets into just the issue, the complexity of the whole issue, it's hard to distinguish who aren't and who are a part of the Hamas terrorist group. Uh, there has been, you know, there are reports in the past that um, there have been mothers, young mothers, who became suicide bombers for Hamas. So it's hard to distinguish someone you would think would never be a part of that is a part of that. But, you know, again, a lot of the citizens of Gaza are, um, very poor, um, uneducated, um, and hungry. Uh, they don't have access to, um, basic necessities. Probably a lot of them don't have access to, um, internet and, and other things that, um, just that we're kind of used to here in the States and also in, in Israel, and this is not a justification for what happened in any means. But I think what ends up happening is that people suffer on both sides. Um, Israelis are suffering because many of their countrymen have died brutally, brutally murdered. Um, children have been brutally murdered. And now they're in a war. Also, Palestinian citizens who did not kill Israelis are also dying and their future is very much, um, there's, it's a huge unknown and most of them will become refugees most likely somewhere either in Egypt, uh, either in Saudi Arabia, uh, or Jordan or, or somewhere they will be refugees. And if you don't know much about refugee camps in the world, they're the most horrible places in the world. Uh, high levels of rape. Uh, so sexual crimes are high. Murder is high. Um, lack of, of food and, and basic necessities are high. Disease is high. So again, and, and what ends up happening is this, this it just uh, breeds more hate, more hate and more hate. And the real corporate, the real, the real enemy, the real villain behind this whole story is, and we're going to get to the, it's kind of multi-layered, but one of the enemies is Hamas, who is a horrible, horrible governing institution who does not care for the people in any way. They care far more about paying for rockets that they shoot at Israel or paying for uh, terrorist, you know, soldiers and AK 47s and basically putting together gliders to fly into Israel. The whole thing is just, it's almost, it's almost like a bond movie. It's, it's almost, it's laughable how ridiculous they are and they don't even care for the normal people. They would rather kill Israelis than actually pay for food. Um, and it's just ridiculous. And this is going to lead to, more of their people uh, starving and dying. And so, you know, that's what they chose. They chose to brutally murder Israelis 
And then the consequences is, is that their people are going to be displaced. So congratulations. It earns you nothing. Um, they care more about hate and vengeance and death than they do about life. The other real villain in this story is the Arab world itself. I mean, you've got a lot of wealth in the Gulf States and Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Bahrain and Abu Dhabi and you know all these Gulf states. There's so much oil money that is concentrated in these states. And all that they do is is they tend to be contributors to breeding this hate. Um, there are a lot of people in the Arab world that are quite poor and all the Gulf money does not flow at all to the people. It concentrates in the Royal families and, you know, go, not going not to go to nine 11, but you know, if you're not, if you don't know this, but a lot of the, most of the nine 11 terrorists were recruited um, by propaganda that the West was the reason why most of these young men didn't have jobs and they were poor. Actually, the reason wasn't because of the West, the United States, just because, because a lot of the terrorists came from Saudi Arabia is that a lot of the Gulf money is concentrated in the Royal family and the money doesn't go to the poor people. It doesn't go to the people at all. Um, this is the same issue in Palestine is that you have Palestinians, many of these young men who are told that the reason why they have no food and the reason why they have no prospects and the reason why they're poor is because of Israel and America. And actually the, the truth of the matter is, is that they're being lied to by the, the Arab leaders, by the, the Hamas and by other layers of, of, of authority in the Islamic world. That is a, it's just a plain lie. It's a plain lie and it breeds, it's propaganda and it breeds terrorism and it breeds hate groups and it breeds, um, um, hijackers and, and, um, suicide bombers because out of pure lies out of pure lies. And all it does is lead to more hate, more violence, more death, more poverty, more rape, more sin. That's all it breeds. Um, that's the other layer of the story. That's another villain in the story. And fascinating enough in this whole thing that you have Gaza, which is again, about 300 plus, um, you know, square kilometers of territory, very small and a very, like 2 million plus people packed into this like sardines, which as someone has called it is basically a living cell. You know, there's a wall uh, surrounding it from the Israel side. There's a wall surrounding from the Egyptian side. Nobody wants these people. The Saudis don't want them. The Jordan Jordanians don't want them. The Syrians do not want them. The um, the Lebanese do not want them. None of the other Gulf states want them. The Iranians don't want them. Nobody wants them. And yet Israel is used as the reason for their, their, their suffering and, uh, and their pain. And there's a lot of, um, um, blame to go around on this particular issue. So that was my, my, one of my reactions is, is that very sad for Israel, but also sad for just people. And I think if, and I want you, the reason why I want to share that is because as Christians there, that we have to remember that all humans are created in the image of God, not to just the Israelis, but also the Palestinians as well. And we have to be humane on both sides. Be angry that Hamas 
fighters, terrorists, would kill humans. As we see in Genesis chapter 9, if a man's blood is shed, justice should be should be placed upon the, the one who has committed the crime. They have committed injustice. They have killed God's image bearer and they should be held accountable. And that's regardless of who they are. Egyptian, Chinese, Indian, Russian, uh, French, British, American, Mexican, um, Ecuadorian, whatever they're from, Israeli, Palestinian, God's image bearers, which is all humans, have value and have worth. They do. Every age, men, women, children, um, young and old, all have value in the eyes of God because they are image bearers of God and he created them. That's important that we remember that. And that's what makes this story so devastating and it causes you to mourn because there's death and suffering all over the place with this issue all over the place. And this is a byproduct of the fall. It's a byproduct of sin in the world. Um, and that death has spread to all men because sin has entered the world. And this is a reminder to us all that the world is not right. It is broken. God created it good. Sin entered the world, death entered the world. Violence and corruption is very much in the world. Cain killed his brother Abel. Lamech killed seven men out of revenge. We just keep going and going and going and going and going. And there is no hope in human institutions to fix this problem. There's only Christ Jesus true King, the true Lord, the son of God who came into the world, took on flesh, died for sin, and then was resurrected from the dead. He is the first fruit of a new age of peace. And so our only hope is Christ. So pray that Christ, the gospel would go forth in the midst of this conflict. I want to take this story to an, to broaden it a bit. Um, you know, one of the interesting reactions that we've seen around the world is you've seen kind of the pro-Israel anti-Semitic response to all this. And interesting enough, what I've noticed is that there has been a quick, um, in some ways there's a, a, a kind of a unifying majority that have been very pro-Israel, uh, which you know, it shouldn't be that complicated. I mean, they were provoked and they were, they were brutally murdered and surprised um, by Hamas and anyone who's supporting Hamas through this is, is just, I, I just don't where logically you get there regionally, how your reason has led you to this point um, because someone who has done an, an, a work of injustice and yet you're supporting the agents of injustice. Like where did you, how did you get to that point? Um, but um, you know, there has been consequences to those who have publicly supported Hamas. And I think that in the marketplace of ideas in a free speech society that we should clearly um, you know, reject that, those views you know, publicly and verbally. Um, but you know, as we think about the broader picture with this, um, yeah, I don't know what 
ultimately will will come from this. Um, America is involved. Not only does America support Israel, but American civilians have, have citizens have died. So America is, is involved. We've got um, Navy ships in the in the in the Mediterranean Sea. We have not put soldiers, but we have you know special forces that are probably involved in some ways with the Israeli military uh, potentially. Uh, we obviously are supporting Israel, providing resources to Israel, and um, are involved for the for the you know for the foreseeable future. But um, as we as we think about um, I got a text message. Um, as we think about the barter issue, obviously there's really, and I think that's one of the things you know. As I've read through a lot of these a lot of these articles on this issue, I, I don't know how. Israel goes back to the status quo of the Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip. Um, now, that is the area by which they, some of them reside and others reside in West Bank. So I don't think the international world is going to accept Israel taking over the Gaza Strait. Um, I think if you read through some things, that's kind of a common view. So what happens, you know, Israel is very, very, you know, dead set on removing Hamas completely. But as we know from our understandings of, of Afghanistan and Iraq, sometimes what you remove and then what replaces it isn't any better. Sometimes it could be quite worse. So I, I think that this, this, you know, even if they were to remove Hamas, I don't know. That doesn't fix the long-term problem. Um, and I think that leads to really the bigger, the bigger, the bigger pieces going on in the world. Um, the one lurking behind the scenes of this is Iran. Um, Iran is, um, as we think about, remember President George W. Bush included Iran in the axis of evil with Iraq, with North Korea, and um, we Iran has kind of continued to be that that continued to be in that role of the the axis of evil. Now, what Iran does, they do not fight the West. Um, they don't confront the West directly they support these ghost wars or these proxy wars. They have one in, in Yemen with the um, Houthis and they support the, this terrorist group in Yemen. They support Hamas. They support Hezbollah, uh, a terrorist group in Lebanon. And they also, um, those are like kind of the three big ones that they're involved in. And those groups, you know, they're the ones that, you know, shoot the, shoot the bullets uh, or shoot the gun, shoot the rockets, lay down the bombs, you know, that they're the ones that are, that are basically shedding blood in this conflict. But Iran is the kind of the financial backer. They're the ones supporting these groups. And, um, and the view is, is that this attack was, um, 
planned or assisted in the planning and, and the resources provided by Iran. Um, it really, this is Iran attacking Israel from afar. I think that's how the um, America is probably seeing this, um, you know, as it, as, as, I, as we, as we look at the broader picture and um, Iran is, is obviously ambitious. They want a nuclear weapon. Um, they see themselves as um, a, an active uh, power in the Arab world, where you, in, in the Gulf world, in the Middle Eastern world, where you have the Saudis and then you have Iran as this kind of like um, Cold War type of, 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 of system within the Middle East. Um, and then that's really the big thing, the big, um, agenda for Hamas and potentially Iran and this whole, this whole thing there was, they were getting close to a point where Saudi and and Israel were going to have a diplomatic relationship that was going to be quite formal. This was called the Abraham, Abraham Accord. Um, and then it was getting closer and closer and closer to a, a unity um, economically and diplomatically and militarily between the Israelis and the Saudis. Well, this attack just basically either it temp- it temporarily paused it or it, it basically destroyed any, any chance of that relationship actually happening. So Iran and Hamas succeeded because there was fears if that that happened, especially if the Saudis um, had a had a relationship, a formal relationship with Israel, then Hamas would be basically um, they had no chance of of ever uh, gaining more more power um, and becoming um, getting anything. Uh, in, in this conflict with Israel. And then if it ran, if that happened, then it would great, uh, the Arabs would have more power and more wealth and more, uh, a bigger military, um, taken te- technologically, especially and Iran would be, um, be kind of, uh, more at threat by the unity of Israel and Saudi Arabia and America. And so that was kind of what was going on. That's the chess game. And Iran succeeded in its agenda to slow that down or even completely kill that, that relationship completely. Cause now Israel is now in a place where they are having to uh, invade Gaza. Um, and, and to save face, Saudis will not um, support that. And, and so here we are. Um, and so that's the, the larger, the larger issue at play is now the United States is dragged into the region. Um, and now there's going to be this ongoing conflict. Um, and now, you know, groups are going to pick sides. Um, will there Saudis be an ally in this or not be an ally in this? It seems as if they won't be a clear ally in this conflict. Um, because the Arab world has already gone crazy, you know. One of the the consequences of October the seventh was uh, Israel um, has air, has you know there's been airstrikes in Gaza. Well, there was a, an, a hospital that was destroyed, but Israel did not 
destroy the hospital. It was actually destroyed by Palestinians. Um, it was a rocket that went awry, but it ended up where even though the evidence clearly shows what happened, the American accept what the evidence is. The Arab world's not accepting it and said it's Israel that destroyed the, the hospital. It feeds this narrative that they want to feed. And so it's created this, this kind of where we are in the state of, of Israel and the Middle East. And, and it broadens the, the, the greater picture of um, America's now uh, fighting basically three wars. One is they're supporting Ukraine against the Russians. They're supporting Israel against Iran and Hamas. And now America has this cold war with China. So the really what this is, is the, the, the fight of the new world order versus the old world order. And the old world order is um, democracy and uh, capitalism and the kind of the world order that was established by America and Britain and Europe. And Israel is a part of that world order. And the new world order is China, Russia, um, Iran. They're a part of this, this, this new world order of autocratic, um, anti-democratic, anti-capitalistic um, governmental structures and who no longer want to be basically um, lectured to by the Western world. And so this is this, this conflict in Israel is a part of that larger conflict um, that will definitely be continued to be ongoing as we see what happens in Ukraine, as we see what happens in the Middle East, we see what happens in Asia. And so that's really the bigger, the bigger issue that's, that, that is really at play right now. And America is kind of stretched now between these three fronts and does America have the, the, the ability, the, 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 uh, the wisdom, the, the, the wealth and the, the power to be able to fight these three fronts the way that they are. And are they going to get support from Europe? Are they going to get support from the British and the French and the Germans? Are they going to get support from some other allies, even in the, in the Asian world uh, to fight these wars? That's the, the big picture going forward. And it really does bring um, another clear issue into the 2024 election is the foreign policy and who's going to be um, a strong enough leader and, and have enough um, foreign policy um, experience and, and understanding to be able to lead America in these three fronts. Um, so that's really, again, I wanted to kind of provide my thoughts on what's going on in Israel and um, Palestine and um, just kind of give you a larger scope on the issue. Um, we, we definitely should pray for peace, um, but we have to pray for justice. Um, and I think that's where people's rally cry for peace is lost is that they don't, um, they don't really care for, for justice to be done. Hamas should be held accountable to what it did. Anyone who supported what happened on October 7th should be held accountable. And people who, who side with justice should side with the Israelis. But this is really important. Israel and America and whoever is involved need to be careful to limit civilian deaths the best that they can. Um, I know that it's the, I mean, Hamas cares very little for human life. Um, and so they're not going to try to protect their citizens 
from this war. And so it is complicated. It's very difficult, but I think to continue to, um, to create the, the truth narrative that <coughs> we care about life. We care about innocent life. We care about Israeli innocent life. We care about Palestinian innocent life and we want to support life. We're going to make sure that those who, who committed injustice are held accountable for, for that. And that, that changes are made and that we do. I think long-term it's in the best interest of life for there to be in a government in Gaza that supports life and takes care of people and educates children and that have people have safety and they are able to have jobs and able to take care of their families. There's freedom of religion, freedom of, of speech. This is the best thing for Palestinians in Gaza. And that should be the long-term prayer. And we do pray for Israel's safety as well, obviously, and pray that God would protect Israel. God would watch over them. Um, but also, you know, again, the, the bigger, the bigger hope is that the gospel would go forth. Um, and we pray for those missionaries in, in the, in the region um, who are even ministering to, to Israelis um, that they would be able to articulate um, the gospel um, and Jesus Christ is the true King of Israel. Um, and he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And he brought salvation for, for sins. Um, the true and better Exodus is Christ. It's the gospel. Um, and they would come to embrace their true Messiah, their true King, the true fulfillment of the prophets and the true fulfillment of the law and believe and worship him. Um, that is, that is the best case scenario and this whole thing and that the gospel will go forth in the Arab world and that Muslims would recognize that Muhammad is not the, the true prophet. He is a false prophet. It is a, it is a, um, it is a, um, heretical, uh, Judaistic worldview and, and religion, um, and should be rejected and that Jesus Christ is the true prophet and, and the true revelation of God it came through Christ and to embrace and believe him and to worship him and to be redeemed and saved and to have eternal life. That is, that is the best case that we should pray for and hope for going forward. So hopefully this was interesting. Hopefully this gives you an understanding of what's going on and uh, probably we'll talk more about this issue in the coming weeks and months um, going forward um, because this issue will be an issue for a while, um, I believe. So um and enjoy your, your upcoming week and weekend. Enjoy the, um, you know, whatever plans you have this weekend with, um, kind of Halloween and, and, and fall. Um, and I know our church has a fall fest on Friday at 6 PM to 8 PM here at central church. And so if you're listening to this, we'd encourage you to come to be a part of that. If you're interested in central church and want more information about central, go to centralchurch.com. We do have our worship services on Sunday at 9, 15 and 11 AM. And, um, you can listen to uh, other podcasts that we have, uh, available as well. And we have, I have a new kind of podcast channel called partners and citizens. And this podcast is a part of that. So continue to read the news with the Bible in your hand. Um, this has been a pastor's newspaper with Dr. Chester. I have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week and weekend.